I was at my mom's house. I was on her floor crying hysterically. I was like, I can't live this way anymore. I've like postponed my life trying to wait for this pain to go away. And it's obviously not. And so my mom lovingly was like, you know, maybe this is in your head. And I was like, so offended. I was like, how dare you suggest that this real chronic debilitating pain is all in my head. Welcome back, my superstars. Today we have a very, very special guest, Chrissy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. Now, you got introduced to me as like the expert when it comes to jinkies, which is something I would love to unpack here because I really know very little about it. But before that, could you give us like an insight of what has gotten you to this stage in your journey? How did you even get interested in jinkies? Was it always your calling? Tell, tell us a bit about you. Sure. So... Jinkies came a little bit later in my journey, but to sum it up a bit, my background actually is in dance in the sense that I was a really competitive dancer growing up. It was my whole identity, whole world. I actually went to college for it and I was dancing on the dance team at my university. And so it was my my whole life. And then halfway through my college career, I got injured and it was basically my rock bottom moment without realizing that it was my rock bottom moment and that time that from that moment on, um, I kept getting kind of pulled further and further away from my identity because I had to heal my body. I had to figure out what was going on. I couldn't dance the same way that I was used to. I graduated and kind of was trying to find my next chapter, but couldn't seem to resolve the issue going on in my body. And so what was supposed to be a quick recovery from this injury turned into years, like seven years of trying to resolve chronic pain. And I share this because I tried everything in the medical model that I knew of. I did physical therapy, chiropractic work, uh, you know, cortisone injections, like everything you could possibly do to try and resolve pain in the body. I tried and none of it worked even after getting surgery on my hip and everything. And it wasn't until I actually went to a mind body approach where I started examining my beliefs you know, exploring my identity, seeing what was going on mentally and emotionally and how that was informing my physical experience, that everything started to unlock. And so it was really Dr. John Sarno's work, all of that stuff that's in the mind-body connection that blew open my understanding of how I was creating the very reality in my body that I was trying to escape. And within less than a year of that inner work, my chronic pain completely went away. My anxiety and inner distress that was accompanying the pain, uh, you know, dissolved. I launched into my own entrepreneurial path. Like everything started to kind of fall into place. And I just became such a deep believer in the work that is, you know, self-development, but specifically around restoring that mind-body connection re-regulating, you know, your nervous system and learning how to kind of wire safety differently in your body so that you can live freely as your most authentic self. And so naturally in that discovery phase, I came across human design. I came across all of these different self-discovery systems. And so human design was actually my gateway to discovering the gene keys. And so while I love both of those systems, the gene keys was just like coming home to something. I felt like when I was reading it and reading not only my profile, but the book, 
I was like, there's something inherently true to me about this information. And then what was really, really exciting, um, I'll just say, is that as I was exploring the gene keys, there's a pathway that the founder recommends, you know, you go through the system, although he's open to you exploring it in any way you want to. But I saw the unique, uh, the unique relationship between the gene key system and all the science we were learning about epigenetics and nervous system regulation. And so I kind of marry both the scientific world of that and the spiritual world of gene keys to help people master who they are. I love that. And I will definitely want to dive deeper into gene keys. Before that, though, help me understand at what point, so we're getting this injury, there's chronic pain, we're trying everything to heal the physical body. What happened? Like what gave you the idea to examine maybe this is actually not physical? Maybe where is the shift from like, I'm going to a physio, I'm doing all the things, maybe you're going to work out. It's like, nothing's working. What shifted? There was a defining moment. So it was some context is that after I graduated from college and kind of put dance on the back burner, I went and pursued my master's in occupational therapy. So I'm going through all this chronic pain, distress and journey while I'm also getting my master's in OT, which for anyone who doesn't know what occupational therapy is, it's a medical healthcare field, um, and it really is one in which you help people maximize their function and quality of life, no matter what it is that they're facing. So this could be like helping someone who just went through a stroke regain the function in their arm to feed themselves again. This can look mm -hmm. like helping an infant who has motor delays learn how to roll from side to side because that's important to their milestones. This could look like so this looks like someone, you know, helping someone with autism learn how to, you know, socialize in the most comfortable way that they possibly can and um, pursue their goals. So it's so broad. But why I share that is because I was getting this medical and healthcare degree. So that was kind of informing what I was learning about the body. And I was like, something isn't right here, you know, like something isn't really clicking. And then I started working as an occupational therapist and just slowly, slowly, slowly becoming more and more and more defeated as I kept trying things to heal my pain and it wasn't working out. And so I was at my mom's house. I was on her floor crying hysterically. I was like, I can't live this way anymore. I keep living on pause, keep saying, once my pain is gone, then I will you know? And so wow. I've like postponed my life trying to wait for this pain to go away. And it's obviously not. And I don't know what to do about that. And so in the moment, I didn't realize this, but now I can say that was a moment of surrender, right? Of being like, I am done trying to control this. I am done trying to act like I can figure it all out. And also there's a radical mm -hmm. acceptance and being like, I don't want to, but if I had to live this way, how do I proceed with living still to the fullest extent that I possibly can? Because this is no way to live. And so my mom lovingly was like, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but like, maybe this is in your head. And I was like, so offended. <laughs> I was like, how dare you suggest that this real chronic debilitating pain is all in my head. And she was like, no, no, no. You know, I know somebody who recently got a diagnosis where they, 
you know, the pain that they were experiencing had to do with actually like a mental thing going on. And so she was kind of proposing that to me. And I was like, okay, I really don't think that's what this is, but you know what, maybe you have a point. The only thing I haven't tried yet is therapy, you know, and kind of going that sort of mental, emotional route. And so I was like, fine. I was very skeptical, very pessimistic. And I was like, I guess I will schedule a therapy appointment with a sports psychologist who like could understand my, you know, the dance related injury. And so he was the one who challenged my beliefs, who introduced me to Dr. John Sarno, um, who is all about the, the emotional roots of physical pain. Uh, and it just kind of blew my mind, like blew my mind that, and, and gave me so much hope at a time where I was like, I've tried everything. And it was like, no, actually, there's a whole explanation for what's going on within you that you have actually never considered before. And that was so liberating, even before I healed. So what unfolded, you get introduced to this body of work through your therapist. What do you guys do together? How, how was the journey to healing? Because you actually said that within a year, which is actually quite fast. If you, you mentioned seven years with chronic pain, So if it goes so quickly, what was, what was the journey? What do you guys do to heal that? I always am really careful about this too, because I, I will share that. Like it's what we did together, but it was also a lot of what I stopped doing and also, you know, Mm -hmm. what I was kind of doing outside of our sessions. So in session, it was truly extracting the subconscious roots of my belief structure right? That were informing my thoughts, informing my emotions, informing my actions. So it was really that subconscious work of, you know, what worldview are you subscribed to and how is that creating more pain and suffering for yourself, right? So we kind of examined um, that, you know, and, and, and for example, I gave one already, the even just the belief of I can't be myself or live my life until my pain is gone, Living according to that root belief naturally informs how I see everything, what I do, what I don't do. And it inherently limited me when I didn't need to feel that way, right? Or finding my self-worth outside of dance. Like that was a radical concept that I didn't even have the words or context for until he was like, you're attaching your worth as a human being to something that, you know, you don't have available to you right now. And do you see how inherently that is causing your suffering, right? So it was a lot of belief work. And then reading Dr. John Sarno's book, Healing Back Pain, because my hip pain actually like it grew into my back. It was like a whole problem. Reading Healing Back Pain, which I've heard from like countless people since have been, have helped them heal, like just by reading it, just by reading that book, my back pain went away. My hip pain didn't go away, but my back pain went away. It was absolutely insane. So what I say about that is like just the understanding that your emotions and mind can be contributing to your pain. So it's basically saying, yes, your pain is real, but the need for that signal to be fired is not right. Like it's coming from a faulty mechanism already tells the body to calm down. Right. And so already Mm. that wiring can start to re jig because it's not being reinforced by what you believe anymore. You know what I'm saying? I can kind of get a little bit more specific, but that basically all of that reworking of understanding the mind body connection with the belief work, with reading the book. And then specifically, I want to mention this, bringing my focus outside of myself for that year 
instead of wallowing in my story and in my condition and obsessing about myself, which I didn't mean to do, but I was doing out of survival mode and putting my focus and attention on starting my business, which was like helping people I was really inspired to. I felt this whole new found sense of like purpose and mission and meaning. And I stopped also trying to fix the pain. I was like, all right, let's just pretend, you know, like it's, this is how it's going to be here. And this, and it's not going to change, actually changed the pain cycle. Wow. And I think so many people can probably resonate with putting your life on hold or on pause. I mean, like when I have this, then I'll live. When I've built this business, when I have achieved this milestone financially, when I have X, Y, and Z, I'll live. And then this is actually uh, a friend of mine dropped the quote, I think last year saying something like, rather than like building your business so you can live later, like build whilst you live. Because yes. like, that's the life. And I mean, it's mind blowing that you're saying, I read this book, the bag bait is gone. Because I'm shifting my belief of what is possible and accepting like, oh, there's just like, okay, faulty signals being sent. Okay, this is this is this can be changed. Other people have done it. I'm sure maybe that was mentioned in the book. Like there is a way out of it. And surrender, massive word that I came across fairly for the first time intensively in Texas, Austin, Texas last year. I was making fun of people who are like, just surrender. I was like, can you not? I rather control. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely opening up towards the word uh, and understanding it more. This is beautiful. So you're starting your business. You're, sh you're saying your focus shifts from yourself onto I want to serve. I want to help others. When does the human design exploration start and move into Gene Keys? Yeah, great question. So it was in and around that time. So my pain is going down. It's, it's like not fully gone, but it's going down. And so now that I have this whole new self-awareness, right? You, you're like, oh, I have a belief structure and, you know, there are ways I see myself and my self-image. I, it naturally lent itself to just a self-discovery journey opening up where I was like, what is my authenticity? Okay. Like, I want to know who I am outside of dance then if I'm going to, you know, embrace that this is not my whole sense of self. What is, who am I? So yeah, really the whole journey opened up a radical self-awakening path of just asking that question. And just one of my dear friends that I met along that, that journey actually at a business um, retreat, we connected instantly. She, I really owe her so much of just exposed me to so many new names and people and things. And she was one of the people who was like, you should really check out human design. She's like, one of my friends is a reader, you know, she, she's, you know, she'd be happy to give you a reading. And I was like, okay. So I started to look into it and I just wasn't really sure. And when I spoke with her about my reading, it was almost like the first time that I had ever felt like I was being seen and understood, not just for what I'm like mm. accomplishing and the way I'm yeah. fitting into like a prescribed way of being, but for just like yeah. being this eccentric version of myself. And so naturally especially because I love learning. It was like so effortless to be like, I'm going to consume, you know, what this system is all about. And that just inherently led me to the gene keys. Um, and so I, I, I don't know, something blindly was like, I, I pulled up the profile. It was so affirming that I was like, I just need to get this book. And the rest was kind of history. I was just 
obsessed with what I was learning and I can kind of get into the weeds of that, but it, it was really just that whole self-awakening path. Yeah. And I mean, I've gotten human design readings too. And I think someone just planted a seed, which is Amanda. We had a conversation with her. She's like, what's your human design? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then a couple yeah. of months later, I think I looked it up and I watched one video and I was like, I need to do a reading with somebody right now. It was like, just and yeah, the reading was, I've had multiple readings since then, but it's like, as you're saying, it's like, oh my God, like this is, this is how I, this is me. And this is the, the beautiful ways of how I operate in the world. And also I can see, you know, uh, maybe not so healthy patterns that I might be running, which are a part of that design and how powerful to, I mean, we all want to be seen for who we are, for our soul. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's painful when someone's like, oh, here's you know, here's, here's a girl who is a dancer or used to be a dancer. Or here's, here's a blonde chick. Here's how she's a YouTuber, like just the surface level stuff. And when someone sees you for who you are, it's so profound. And I think that's why people start looking into these things. Like we're trying to understand ourselves as well. It's like, that's why it's so compelling. It's like, who are we? The question you're proposing, I feel like I've been sitting on it for the last few months. I'm like, who am I? <laughs> and still on it. And hence, this podcast has come about. It's like, let's explore together. I can't be the only one asking that question. So you feel called to get the book. You dive deep into it. What's what's happening? And maybe actually tell us, what is Gene Keys? For anyone who's like, what what is this? What are we talking about right now? <laughs> Yeah, so the Gene Keys is another self-awareness system or awareness tool, just like human design, Myers-Briggs, astrology, Enneagram, you know, it's different in nature, which I'll explain, but it's within that category. It helps you get, gain self-awareness around how you work and your different patterns of being. Specifically, what Gene Keys does is it's like a code book of labels that help you understand the exact patterns that you're operating within that are rooted in fear, rooted in survival. And even more excitingly, on the flip side, the higher expression of those patterns. So if you were to live from a place of not fear, if you were to live from a place of trust and thriving, what would that pattern look like instead? And so it gives you a roadmap on how to not only identify your patterns, but embody and grow into the highest expression of them and what that just means in fancy terms is how can you live from a place of trust and authenticity and even live out your full human design or how you see yourself in the world um but what are those kind of blocks and limitations from fear from survival that you picked up along the way um, in your journey that are most likely to get in your way so it gives you a profile to examine those things closely let me ask you this. Is that the fear, the anxiety you're mentioning, is that from the culture, the conditioning, the society? Or is that something innate in me that actually I'm here to overcome throughout my life to grow into the yeah. higher version you're mentioning? Yeah, it's a really good question. So this is why I love Gene Keys and the Scientific Foundation, because this code book has 64 different Gene Keys, right? And I'll break down what each gene, what it means, like a gene key, but it has 64 different patterns that Richard Rudd, the founder, asserts are present from all of human evolution, right? So we all contain this spectrum 
of behavior that comes from our evolution, from the fears that are inherent in our primitive survival wiring. So there's a very naturalness to these fear drives. And that's what's so cool about the system is he explains like this pattern that you might be calling X actually has this root in like a genetic hunger and a need to go out and experience the world so you can make mistakes so we can evolve. Like it kind of gives you the evolutionary perspective on what you're going through so that it's not just like, oh, let's blame society and culture. It's like, no, we're all human beings going through this experience. And these behaviors have just become more nuanced as we've gotten more cognitively advanced. So instead of it just being like, the typical survival responses, right? On the very core level, it's like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, right? So if you're faced with a threat, that's what you do. Fight, yeah. flight, freeze, or fawn. Those have evolved into these nuanced behaviors. So impatience or half-heartedness or superficiality, these are all fears masked in ways of being um, in order to try and survive, um, that can get in our way. And we don't see them as survival patterns, but that's exactly what they are. So what I'll say is that, of course, society can amplify or reinforce some of these patterns mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but they are more seen as being inherently within your genetic code. And just like you have those fears within you, you also have the capacity for the higher expression of those fears. So let me ask... Uh... Maybe a silly question, though, I think, so I quickly looked up my Gene Keys chart today for the first time, couldn't understand a thing, that's why, that's why we're having this conversation so we can learn, and I think one of them was inadequacy, as that, as that lower one, and I feel like I've been having this conversation for the past couple of months, like, motivation for human beings, desire versus pain. Everyone keeps talking about like pain pushes you further oftentimes because you are trying to run away from pain and you could use that for achievement. So let's say the fear of inadequacy, well, I've had it and it can be very motivating because I'm like, I will absolutely not accept that identity. So I'll run so far away from it to like overcompensate so I don't feel that way. And then the silly question comes of like, well, is that bad? What, like, why would I want to change that? Because what if I move into my highest version, I guess? I've been having this conversation with my friend Emma as well. And then I don't do anything. Now I'm like, oh, bliss. I'm not motivated anymore. I don't have the pain. I don't even know if there's an answer to this, but I've been battling with this in my head for a while. It's so funny. I always find whenever I do a podcast episode or, or have a conversation like this, there's something that I saw recently or talked about recently that like perfectly fits the conversation that unfolds. So actually, this is really topical. I don't know for anyone out there who watches Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV by any chance? Okay. You don't need to. Essentially, in one of the episodes, no spoilers, but there's a character who is a soccer player who comes to the realization that his motivation to become exceptional at soccer was to prove his dad wrong. His dad mm -hmm. was like, you're lame, you're weak, you, you know, you won't amount to, and like, he was like, I'm going to show you wrong. And so he became mm -hmm. one of the best in the league driven by that. Right. And then with his journey on the show, he starts to, and in that, space, I'll mind you, he was like very out of his authenticity in the sense that he became exceptional at soccer, but he was a jerk. He was 
all about himself, you know, all of that. And so when he started on his journey to dismantle that and become more of a wholesome version of himself, more authentic, he became available to forgive his father and, Hmm. and move on from that being such a toxic thing that had fueled him. But then he was reflecting, he was kind of having a breakdown on the show and was like, my heart feels impotent like it feels like it the spark is gone like the thing that made me good at this soccer is 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 missing because he had finally resolved it it's a good thing he resolved it but it's also alarming that the thing that he was so used to fueling him is now gone right is that what you're essentially talking about in other words yes yes so what I have to say to that and what I think the message of that is is that yes you have, you basically were used to running on a certain engine and it got you somewhere, right? But as you know, it got you somewhere inauthentically. And what I mean by that is like, it wasn't sustainable, right? It was fueled by fear, by either running away from something or running towards something in order to satiate um, a fear-based drive, right? So for him, it was like, if I'm perceived as weak, I will be rejected. I will be less than like he had this whole narrative around that, right? That, that fueled him, but that's not healthy, nor is that why you want to ever engage in something. Right. Um, so on the flip side, it's, it's assessing why you feel or why anyone would feel like they need to be driven by sort of that negative, by the fear of something. And rather it's just about creating a new normal with a new engine it may feel wonky to use you may have to like use different kind of fuel than you did in the past but this engine is hopefully going to run smoother it's going to run longer it'll sustain and you won't have to replace the engine or the car because it actually fits where you want to go and how you want to operate your life so it's a bizarre transition when you wake up and you're like oh i need to kind of rejig how i do things but don't, not you, but I, for anyone out there, try not to romanticize like what you were able to do with a toxic fuel, (laughs) um, because it's going to be so much better when you acclimate to the new fuel that's driven by love, by inspiration, by meaning and purpose that is part of your new rediscovery. Does that address what you were asking? Yeah. And I think there's, there's that fear in this, that if you let go of this, what you would call toxic fuel, however toxic it got you here. And you're like, what if I, that's it, you know, don't have this engine, nothing doesn't, you know, things just stop happening. Um, and I think, and I'm still in a process of digesting this, but I'm getting closer towards that letting go of the not so healthy ways of like, I'll, I would do a lot of used to do and a lot of negative self-talk and be like, you know, like, why haven't you done this? Yada, yada, like very like harsh on myself. And then that would just get me moving. I would be like, okay, okay. I just did some hardcore, like tough love with myself and I would go. Um, and I felt like, well, what if I let go of that? And then I just get lazy, you know? Um, Power versus Force is one book I was introduced to by David Hawkins. And that's where, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they say, yes, you can push things through force, but you actually, whilst working in that force energy, or you would say toxic fuel, 
you actually don't know what's available to you, which would got you whatever your milestone was, top of the league, certain, I don't know, financial milestone, you actually could have done 100 times more had you opened yourself up to actually like that, you know, power, power energy versus forcing it. And that's where, I don't know, it's just been my unfolding. I don't know if you've been through that experience. It's just, it's uncomfortable. Like, what if you don't find a new engine? (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, that's one of, that's one of the gene key, the 34th gene key in the, the whole system is the shadow of force. Okay, so that's that fear survival archetype. And the antidote or the opposite is the gift of strength. And so that's exactly a power strength. I probably equate that they're saying similar things, but it's beautiful that that actually, this is what the gene keys are. It gives you labels to see these things, just like how power and force does um, as a theory or a concept. And that one is in a really prominent place in my chart. And so I know force very intimately. And this gene key, um, the dilemma of this gene key, every gene key has a dilemma, meaning like, what is the thing that kind of keeps you reinforcing or, or staying in the shadow, staying in that fear-based place? And for this one, it's trying. So this notion of trying and trying and like, basically, again, yeah, kind of ignoring information and just using completely your mental perception of something or your mental idea of something and trying to make that happen based on your mentally derived, you know, thoughts yeah. and you're always going to come up against resistance in that way. Yet, meanwhile, the opposite, still from the same, you know, like going out there and doing something energy, but instead of force, it's strength, meaning that you know when to withhold, when to pivot. You have a discernment of how to use your energy wisely and actually how to understand when to, I'm going to use the S word, surrender. Um, and when to kind of let go in certain situations instead of just making things happen. Because obviously the illusion of force comes from feeling like our effort and our willpower can just make anything that we want to make happen. And that's not co-creating with other people, with the universe, you know, with, with, with this world that we're living in. It's just making things happen. And it usually comes from a fear of what happens if it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I love it. Human design has helped me here a lot. I feel like uh, Barbara, who's in my reading, she was always like, don't push the river. Stop pushing the river, Bendy. Just can you? <laughs> and, and then she yeah. actually taught me, like, listen to your body. Like, your body responds at immediate mm-hmm or uh-uh. That's what you're supposed to follow. So not like my mind decided if I was to do X, Y, and Z, let's say for my business, that's great. So let's go do it and be like, tap into your body. Is that the right timing? Your body is going to know. It's like, you know, what she always says, like, you know, it's it's not necessarily like, a de- maybe there's a delay, you know, to remove the resistance. Maybe you, I actually wanted to start a podcast a year ago um, and, and I didn't in the end and I'm glad. So or just to give an example, it's, there was there was an event I was also trying to put together at the end of last year, I think, and like there was just so much resistance. I cannot tell you, like everything, and I had done it before with ease, and like everything was so much harder. People were canceling, like I was forcing myself. I was like, what in the world? 
And then she just asked the question. I was like, so what did you, uh, what did you want to put together this event? And this was all from the mind. I was like, well, in my head, the first went really well and X, Y, and Z happened. So my mind thought that this would be a great idea. So this no longer came from that aligned place and nothing was working. And then I think that's where for the first time I learned like to let, let go um, and be like, man, this is not the right path. And it's opening you up to a different opportunity that might be just be around the corner. It's like trying to protect you, like don't go down, that that's not your path. You still have a choice to force it through. It just, you might end up when you're like, oh, this, I shouldn't have done that, so. Yeah, amazing example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. So if I was to open up my gene keys now, what, what would I see and how could I actually practically start using this? Being like, okay, one thing we discussed is force. Let's say maybe I probably have a, you called it a shadow, probably have that one as well. You do, you do. <laughs> she has my chart, she knows. So, okay, I, I learned that maybe that's not serving me. So I would go through finding, facing facing your shadows or like maybe let's, let's dive deeper into like, what is a shadow specifically? Yeah, right. So let's talk about, so each of these gene keys, like I said, there are 64 and what each of them contain yeah are these three levels of consciousness, these three levels of, um, and, and the whole idea being that just like the helix of our DNA has 64 different um, like elements to it. Um, we also have these 64 different patterns that are within our DNA, right? And so any mm -hmm. of them can be accessed and felt by us, but our profile is asserted that based on, you know, when we were born that we have these particular patterns are gonna be more prominent in our life experience than maybe some of the others, although they're all fair game to experience and go through. So each of these 64 gene keys has these three layers of consciousness, the, the lowest being the shadow. And again, this is where fear lives. This is where the survival mechanism kicks in and it's very mentally mind driven. Mm. Um, on the, the next rung up is the gift. This is the idea that within every shadow, there's actually a gift trying to bloom, trying to unfold if we were to only operate with more trust, less fear, and, um, you know, more flow and authenticity, right? So this is kind of that aspirational pattern that we want to be trying to live more into than the shadow. And then the city is the highest level of consciousness. That's S-I-D-D-H-I. And it's basically the byproduct of when you're living into your gift, this higher consciousness will just start to unfurl. You'll just start to, it's almost like the highest level of, of um, expression you can possibly be. It, it's the most mm -hmm. pure, it's the least detached from you know the weight of the human experience that we're often getting consumed by. It's very aspirational, I believe. So when working with the three rungs of the gene, a specific gene key, um, I particularly like to hone in on the shadow and the gift and just live there for a while. Because if you can wor work your way through contemplating how these patterns are showing up in their life, the effect and rip, you know, the ripple effect they're having, um, why they're coming up, what sparks them to come on, just that contemplative process alone will start to help you become aware. And then once you're aware of how it's showing up, this is where schools of thought differ. Richard Rudd is big into contemplation being the practice. Like just thinking through these patterns alone, bringing them into your awareness alone, will start to unfold a different way of being over time. 
And I think there is something extremely powerful to that. It's very much the yin, right-brained approach. That's very beautiful. I'm more of a left-brained kind of gal. And so I was like, how can I make this a little bit more tangible, a little bit more actionable, and feel like I'm actively contributing to like rewiring that pattern out of my nervous system? And so I'm a big fan of using the shadow and the gift. Um to specifically kind of rewire your nervous system through experiential means. Meaning like, let's say, one of the most prominent uh, keys in my profile that shows up twice in your profile actually is the 29th gene key. This is the shadow of half-heartedness and the gift of commitment, okay? So what this gene key is all about, and it's in yours too, is that anywhere we're half-hearted, meaning like we're in it, but there's still a piece of us that's entertaining another thought or is second guessing or is kind of like, yeah, I'll do this for this reason, but I'm not going to fully give myself to it. We're draining our life force. We are not honoring that thing. We're not honoring ourselves. How can we fully say what the experience is with something or someone in a relationship if we're not fully committed to it? So this yeah. is that whole kind of energetic. And I've, I don't know about you, but I've felt that very prominently in my business path where there are like, I'm going to go this way. But then there's like 1% of me that's still like not fully in, you know? <laughs> it's like, just in case, just in case, like I need a backup plan, right? So it's like the fear that you're talking about. Like I'm here, but I don't want too much pain. If it doesn't work out, I'm running exactly. <laughs> the other direction. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we could convince ourselves that we're being like prudent and we're being, you know, we're trying to, you know, make sure that we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. Right. But that's a fear-based yeah. way of thinking in order to protect yourself from something not working out. And so half-heartedness yeah. is a fear-based way of being. And I was like, Oh my God, it illuminated that pattern in my business. It illuminated that pattern in my relationship at the time where I was like, I love this person, but I am not fully here in some ways. Um, and so the gift being commitment, which I love the way Richard Rudd talks about commitment is not like, Oh, you need to commit a hundred percent to everything and then just stick with it. Period. It's saying like all commitments have a cycle. And again, all the mm. gifts come instead of, you know, the shadows come from the mind. As I said, the gifts come from the body, yeah. right? This is like human design. The body intelligence is what informs the gifts. And so commitment is a felt thing. The cycle of commitment can last a day. The cycle of commitment could last a lifetime and anywhere in between. And it's your intuition that you need to, you know, befriend and, and tune into in order to know when a commitment has come to an end and when you need to be mm -hmm. honest with yourself and others in that or when you're just being half-hearted and you need to double down and fully be in something and this is going to lend itself to better relationship you know circumstances um beginnings and endings as well as anything that you do when pursuing your purpose whether that's a leisure activity your work yada yada so um i share this because when it comes to the actionable way of doing it, I not only contemplate about how these patterns are showing up in my life, but then I go as far as to say, what do I have on my plate even today? And what do I feel half-hearted about? What does commitment mm. look like in relationship to that? Is it ending it completely? Is it time for this mm. thing to be over? Or is it 
you know, doubling down and doing this particular project. And so I use it as like a way to retrain my body in the moment to be a different way until suddenly it's an afterthought. Suddenly I just know what commitment feels like and what it doesn't. Does that make sense? I like this a lot because what I'm hearing you say is that it's not just like you have this thing, so go ahead and commit. You're actually asking yourself like, does this even feel right? Like, should this even be in my life? Whatever it is, business, you're like, should this be here? And maybe the answer is no. So you let go of it. But then you, it remains the things that if you're going to be there, you know, you're definitely there and present and not trying to protect yourself by just having a way out. <laughs> I definitely yeah. always have that somewhere buried and like, just in case. Like, it's like through human design, that's that survive, need for survival. Like always, it's like, where's the door? <laughs> where's yeah, the where's door? The door? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And it's uh, like having compassion. You can like, when you start to learn this language and name what's going on accurately, not only do you see it more easily because you now have a name for it, but you start to, you, you grow more compassionate for yourself because you're like, oh, this isn't me being lazy or indecisive or not like I feel like we always blame ourselves for all these different ways that we perceive these patterns whereas actually it's just it's really genuinely trying to protect you and now you can see it and go I see what you're trying to do I know I'm scared too I know this is more of an uncertain thing but I'm not going to live into this way of fear I'm going to live into a version of trust and knowing that no matter what, if I commit fully to this, it's going to give me clarity in one way, shape or form. Either it's going to be exactly what I hope it is, or maybe it might be, whoa, this is so not correct. And either way, you're gaining wisdom that's invaluable. It's the whole idea of human design being an experiment. Same thing with Gene Keys, you know? Yeah. I want to take us back to something you mentioned towards the beginning where you were like on the journey of like, who am I? Who am I? Where are you in that journey right now? How how are oh you answering goodness. that question for yourself? <laughs> oh my god! Asking for um, a friend. <laughs> asking for a friend. So I am for for better or for worse. Uh, I've discovered somebody who is like going to be on this quest forever. Meaning, like I. In human design speak, my G center is open, my head and Ajna are open. I am very like open minded, and I also don't have a set idea on like how I think and see the world, nor um, what the direction is for my life. I have obviously senses of like what feels more authentic or not, but I'm just very like open. So I would say in the discovery of who I am, I'm I'm smack in the middle of it, and I feel like. Um, I've found peace in knowing mm. that there are times where I'm really actively contemplating that. And then other times and seasons where I'm like, I'm just going to be and like see what comes of living into so much of what I'm learning about. Because I don't know about you, but on this self-awakening journey, some of the places that have really gotten me hung up are learning and thinking so much about it rather than actually just living it out into the world. And so I'm currently at a part of this journey where I'm more about living it out into the world and seeing where that feedback takes me as opposed to being in a season currently of just learning, 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 you know, consuming, mm. consuming, consuming. Um, 
so that's a little bit of, of where I'm at. But I will also say, if it helps, I've felt very called recently to reconnect my sense of spirituality, meaning like I have these tools that I feel like I'm co-creating the universe with, but I still feel a little bit of a disconnect to like the bigger question of why are we here? What Mm, is God? Please tell me. (laughs) Can you tell me? (laughs) Yes, I have the answer actually. Um, (laughs) I'm all yours, please. No, listen, you and me both. But uh, what I will say is... um, Neil Donald Walsh, the author of Conversations with God, has yeah. um, he has a course on the Mind Valley platform. So anyone who doesn't know Mind Valley, it's like the school for self transformation. Um, it's online. They have all the biggest thought leaders around the world creating courses on every topic you can possibly imagine. And long story short, I'm a part of it. And um, in the realm of spirituality, on their platform. Neil Donald Walsh has created a course called Awaken the Species. But really what it's all about is like, yeah, what is the purpose of us being here? And if we were to rock around with a better understanding of that, how would we all operate and function? And so therefore, how can we start to live more in accordance with those principles um, that really just support at the end of the day, a more unified, supportive, collective whole? Right. And that's where, like, I love all these tools, but I don't know about you, Vendi. The more that I get deeper into this, the more that I realize when I take the focus and the emphasis off of me, 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 mm-hmm. and it, my business direction becomes less about what do I feel called to do? And it's more like, what do I like? What do I uniquely? want to help others with like what is that um issue in the world that makes me compassionately angry like I'm like I want this to be resolved and I feel like I have a unique way to do that like taking that outside of myself and into the collective just feels so much more helpful and so same with my spiritual discussion and and same with Neil what Neil Donald Walsh is promoting is like how do we live into these principles that make us better citizens of the world and better like sisters and brothers to each other and everything in between. Um, So I I think that my answer right now is like, how can we pull ourselves out of our self, you know, focus and be a little bit more into other people. And I also love what you mentioned, like getting your, you, (sighs) In reality, if we say the shadows, the mind, a lot of things mind just makes up. How are we, it's almost so that we're trying to understand the universe or who we are or our purpose through this thing, right? By reading every single book, I, I had my period over the past couple of months or like just like staring outside and I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. your mind cannot comprehend, it cannot. Though sometimes... I don't know if you come across this, like when you come see a video or a movie or something, like there's more like a resonance, like in your gut, you're like, Mm -hmm. my mind would think this is absolutely crazy. Like, let's say if I read a book, it's like most people would read it and be like, just this is like made up, but like my body is like, yeah, this is how it is. This is how souls come into our world and experience ourselves and express ourselves. Of course, like I feel like I know it and whether that's right or wrong, true or not, I I don't know, but it's, it's the 
I, I don't want to say it out loud. Maybe the never ending exploration. Didn't want to say it out loud because I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I can um, I accept that at this moment in time. <laughs> Though, yeah. yeah, it is you. I think mine makes up going back to your story as well. Like mine makes up so much pain sometimes for us. Like we get ourselves into like emotional pain or triggered in like actual physical pain when mm-hmm. we can release that and like just tap back into it. So if yeah. someone is resonating with gene keys and feels like, okay, this is, this is a framework. It might help me better tap into myself and understanding my shadows and how I can grow. What are the best resources for them to go and start exploring this? Cause by yourself, it does come across a tad complicated when you first get your chart. <laughs> oh yeah. When you pull up your chart, there's a, there are a lot of words. There are a lot of symbols. Um, and so it can be a bit overwhelming. I think what I would say is I'm I'm a big proponent of honoring the original teachings. Like Richard Rudd has, you know, if you go to genekeys.com, there's like a whole ecosystem of resources, both free and paid for, to learn more about the system, um, to just get familiar with it. Uh, if you are looking for a more, if you're not necessarily feeling called to the system per se, but just the actual use of it intrigues you. And you're like, I want to understand these words and how I can use them to rewire my nervous system. Like in the way that I've been describing, that's sort of my, that's my specialty. So I highly recommend just getting in touch, but you can also go to my website You can, um, on the homepage. There's a free three-part video series called the quick start guide to the gene keys, where I basically help you decode that complicated profile on a very simple level so you can get started and then we can kind of take the conversation from there if you want to go deeper but i i I would recommend the you know either the original teachings for more spiritual contemplative original path and then my way if you wanted to go in a little bit more of a nervous system kind of overcoming your patterns that are getting in your way perspective oh i'm i'm definitely all all about shortcuts i'm like amanda for human design she's like get the book get this i was like no, just I want I want to know my stuff immediately right now. <laughs> it's a part yes. of my design. I want things yesterday. I have mm-hmm. not overcome that yet. <laughs> but at yes. least I have the awareness. <laughs> yes. Um you mentioned yes, your right. website. What is what is your website, Christy? Where can people go and get that initial quick start guide to Gene Keys and also booking a session with you? Where do they go? Yeah, super simple. You can go to ChrissyPapetti.com. If you're on Instagram, you can just go to Chrissy Papetti and you'll see that my link leads to um, a series of links where you can book, um, you know, a one-on-one session, either 30 minute or 60 minute to go into your Gene Keys profile or, or deeper than that, um, as well as, uh, like I said, the quick start guide. So if you wanted to get some free resources to get you going, um, all that information is on my site or at my Instagram. Beautiful. And we'll definitely leave all of that in the show notes and my last question for you would be, or more of a, is there anything, any takeaway you want to leave people on going through your own journey of asking these questions about who am I, what's my purpose, what is universe? If someone's at unease right now and just in their head trying to figure this out and it's just like, there's probably some pain, emotional, just everything feels like you don't know anything. What's... Maybe you have a wisdom nugget of giving someone maybe a bit of a peace of mind or advice 
through your experience? Yeah. Uh, What I would say is when going through an experience like that, it can be heavy. It can feel frustrating. It can feel disheartening. And sometimes, honestly, I've been at points in the journey, even recently, where I'm like, what is the point? And not in, you know, I'm personally not in a suicidal way, although I know that that's possible for people, but just more like that feeling of just utter defeat and being like, why does this feel so complicated and difficult when people seem to just be living their life? Like, what am I missing? You know, like that kind of question. (laughs) And so with that, what has been a source of help, support, solace for me amidst going about my own journey of answering those questions is coming back to what are those things, people, experiences, methods that give you that spark of hope and possibility, even if it's fleeting, like what are those things that kind of bring you back to those moments of kind of, even if it's just in your body feeling like, this is something, you know, whether it's just the feeling of love you get from it, the feeling of comfort or safety you get from it, the feeling of joy and excitement you get from it. What are those things that give you that? Who are those people? And lean into them. So during now, for example, dance has been that for me. Now that I'm healed, I've rediscovered my connection with dance. It's been amazing. And that just going into the studio and just being like, I'm stepping out of the world and just in to connection with myself, my body and music right now has kept me afloat in those moments where I'm like, nothing else makes sense, but this makes sense. This feeling in my body makes sense. Or if I like connect with certain of my friends and I leave that conversation, I'm like, that connection makes sense. They make sense to me. Lean into those as you're trying to make sense of the bigger picture, because they're going to be what gives you affirmation to, to keep holding out faith that it's going to, the dots will connect in time. Yeah. Yeah. Loved this conversation so much. Thank you, Chrissy, for joining us today. This is so beautiful. Thanks for having me, Bendy. I I loved it. And thank you for being so open about your experience too. I think the more that we're, you know, open about where we're at on this whole journey, the more we can find comfort in knowing that we're not alone. Absolutely. So next step, everyone, go to Chrissy's website, get the resources, understand your gene keys, and continue on the exploration, understanding who you are, the unique soul in this world, and we're all on this journey figuring ourselves out. So thank you again, and we're going to see you in the next episode.